When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up? Good morning and War Eagle, War Report family. You got Ike Jones. We're here with another morning drop today, as we like to do, reacting to the press conference that happened yesterday with Coach Hugh Freeze in the media, addressing some stuff from Georgia and then going forward into the LSU game. You know we got to talk about it, and y'all know how we do right here, War Report style. Let's drop it on them. You are now now listening listening to to the War Report. Morning drop. We are here. You got Ike Jones, Mike G in here on a Tuesday, October the 10th, LSU week. Mike G was there present as Coach Hugh Freeze addressed the media yesterday, talking a little bit about some mm-hmm. stuff that happened during the bye week, some stuff that has happened oh. since Georgia, some stuff that we have going into the LSU game. Initial thoughts and reactions before we get into some of Coach Freeze's particular comments that we want to react to, but initial thoughts of what you heard yesterday with Coach Hugh Freeze. It's midseason. I, uh, you know, we've reached almost the halfway point of the season, the bye week, you know, fell you know after week five this year and Hugh Freeze has had some time to reflect on a lot of the things uh that his team has done things they still need to improve uh we're going to get into some of these clips and some of the things that he said and, and, and try to interpret what he's saying um he continued down a path of being very open and honest about things that he feels like are going on things they need to improve um but ultimately uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the field uh, so love the reflection. I love trying to take a step forward um, and figure out a way to motivate your kids, man. These are the guys you got. Uh, let's see what he can do with them over the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys are in here joining us this morning, I want you to do the necessary that sharing this video right now out there on social media. Make sure you add us at the War Report uh, so that we know you made that share. We definitely appreciate all the War Report family continuing to spread the good news of the War Report. Like the video if you're in here. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Uh, That definitely uh, helps us with the algorithm. If you're out there in the land of podcasts listening to this on replay, go ahead and share that podcast with somebody else. Give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and that helps us as well with the podcast charts, and we would greatly appreciate it. We're going to get into some comments that Coach Hugh Freeze made. Uh, Mike, you asked him a question, and I actually want to start right here about, are there going to be any changes philosophically with how they approach the game this week coming into LSU after reviewing what happened uh, during the Georgia game, all of the tape that's happened so far through the first five weeks of the season, having an off week, a bye week to think about these things. You ask about a philosophy change. This was the answer from Coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, No, no, no philosophy change. Um, other than maybe com- making sure we're running the right RPOs with the runs and, and doing more of that. Um, 
Well, you do all the self-scouting to, to find out what your tendencies are and um, to make sure you're, you have those posted when you're game planning this week. If, if all we've done when we've motioned the tight end across the ball is X, Y, Z, then you probably don't need to do X, Y, Z this week. And so we, uh, we did all that self-scouting and then obviously um, trying to make sure our identity, uh, particularly in the passing game, matches our personnel and whatever we feel strongly about in that, then let's do it over and over and over and over and over again until we are really, really confident and really, really good at that. So Coach Hugh Free saying they need to just get better at now. This is something that we've talked about better at executing some of the things that they already have available to them. And I, one of the things that I like that he said right here, he's like, listen, if, if it's a personnel thing and we need to change somebody else out, like stop running this with this person who can't run it then. If it's something that we need to do from that standpoint, no, we're not going to change the philosophy of how we're approaching the game, but maybe we need to get some different people doing some different things or figure out, hey, is this guy better at this thing? Well, let him do that. Like, what are we doing? Like if that person, and this is something, listen, I've had an issue with this, the back shoulder throws to guys that are six feet and below like we got guys who do that well, get them in those scenarios. Let's make sure we're putting our players in the optimal position to make the plays that they need to make. Uh, yeah. Uh, simply put, find shit in the playbook that works, right? Like that's, yeah. that's pretty much what he said. Find the stuff in the playbook that works and run that more. Uh, execution. When you talk about assignment and alignment and execution, you're asking guys maybe to do things that they're not the best at or they don't or run concepts they don't fully understand. Um, it happens, right? So it's time for them to figure out like, hey, you had a bye week and, that, and people don't understand that extra week of preparation, you can evaluate a lot. It could do wonders for a team. Uh, being able to sit down and not have to immediately go into game prep for the next opponent um, and then just kind of figure out like, Hey, what do we have to do right to get this thing headed the right direction? Um, I think that they had a chance to do that. It sounds like they've done that. Uh, they uh, self-assessment. Uh, this has been a big thing for me with this coach. Uh, yeah. I think that he does this mm -hmm. fairly well uh, or at least recognizes that it's something that he needs to do. So, so that's what he's talking about here. Let's see you know, what our tendencies are and what good tendencies do we need to reinforce and what bad tendencies do we need to break? Um, so that's part, all part of the season where your team may not have started the season, Ike hitting on all motives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think I love the fact that um, the, the one thing I'll, I'll wonder about this is, is it going to apply to every position on the offense? Right. Like, are we, you know, you know, the, the first thing that popped in my head when he said this and yes, alert to all of the people who hate the fact that we bring this up is, are we going to stop running the quarterback so much when he's not the best option to run of the quarterbacks we have available? Are we going to start doing things that feature the arm of Peyton Thorne a little mm -hmm. bit more in this offense? I'm hoping that that's what this is a sign of. And it's not just about wide receivers and tight ends. It's about the quarterback as well. Are we going to run offensive plays that are better suited for this quarterback. And the reasoning that we have not done that more is, well, we didn't have the right combination of wide receivers out there to run that. We'll get those wide receivers in and let's run that stuff. 
right? Well, so let's figure that out. Well, whatever you do, you have to do at a high level. I think, you know, he's repeatedly said that. So if you're going to throw more, you need to be able to throw the ball at a high level. You need to be able to catch at a high level. Um, so they're hoping maybe doing some things everybody's more comfortable with may help improve those things. But uh, hopefully it's not not throwing the ball because I'll tell you what, we're in for a long back half of the season if they can't find a way to get more than 100 yards through the air. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's systemic. Ike, Unless it's you're going to run for like 600 a game, right? Like right, that's yeah, the only yeah. way you can survive yeah. throwing so little and having so little competency in your pass game. Yeah, this team is not going to do that. So right. yeah, to your point, yeah, they, they've got to figure this out. Um, or, you know, you still got tough teams. You still got both Mississippi schools. Mississippi State is probably, and Vandy are probably the two that I would chalk as wins right now. Uh, but the rest of these games outside of, and, and that gets you to New, uh, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State gets you to a bowl game. Right. Right. But, you know, after that, you still got LSU, uh, Ole Miss, and Bama left on the schedule, and Arkansas as well. And I think fans would love to see a split there if they could find a way to be any combination of uh, two of those two of those four teams. Right, beat the ones that you should absolutely beat based mm-hmm. upon your talent, and Correct. then sneak a couple more that are either close or you're they're they're more talented on paper, but mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to go win the game. Yeah, Arkansas and Ole Miss, obviously, are the prime candidates. LSU and Alabama are going to be harder challenges. So we'll see what they can do. I I feel confident they they should be able to sneak one or two here. But, you know, seven wins seems within reach right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely does. All right. The next comments that I want to get to from Coach Hugh Freeze were about Peyton Thorne specifically, about just kind of trying to figure out what works with him. So I want to listen to his comments and get your thoughts on what you heard from him saying these things. We're, we're we're trying hard to build upon it. I thought he made some really good throws. And look, when you're playing in this league, I don't – maybe LSU, um, but even them, the the DBs are in position. You don't, you don't find very many where you're just running wide open. Um, you'll have a few of those in blown coverages from time to time, but – there's going to be some contested catches. And there were, I think he was, well, they had nine incompletions, and I literally think six of them could have gone either way. And um, I'm certainly not saying that they were just total drops or anything like that, but there are chances for us to make plays that, again, put us in position to get points or convert the chains and keep us, keep our defense off the field. And we're going to have to start making our share of those. And so the balls though, were in the right spot. I mean, they were, some of them were really good throws. And so I do think there's something that you can build upon there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Coach Hugh Freeze saying that 
they've got to do a better job of putting Peyton Thorne in a more optimal position. Um, he went on to say, I didn't put that in the clip, but I thought it was very interesting. Coach uh, JG Tate, I actually asked him the question about this. You know, is there something that you can build upon with him? And they were, he was talking about, we've got to set the protections better. Something that I've been harping on for a while. Like, why aren't we doing that? And he goes, and then uh, JG follows up and he's like, is that on Peyton? And he's like, no, heck no. That's on us. We got to get him in the if we get him, I think the word he used, the right toolbox, he's got the opportunity to go out there and play a little bit better. What were your thoughts on his comments on Peyton Thorne and building around some of the positive things he did coming out of Georgia? Well, just to clarify, when he was talking to JJ, he was talking about one specific play. Right. The one I think it was a throw to he said Fairweather was wide open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said, you know, um, if we had set the protection right, it's probably right. a touchdown. And right. JG asked, who's that on? And he's, you know, it's, it's not, it wasn't on Peyton on that specific play. You know, right. otherwise, this is something we've been kind of crowing for weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that, I, I don't think they've done the entire offense a service with some of the things that they've done as a coaching staff. Can you pause right. for just a second and repeat what you just said? Because people have been coming at us saying that when we talk about we don't feel as if the coaching staff has put players in the optimal position to do what they do. People are like, you think you know more than the coaches or you're blaming da da da. They coach free said, I'll let you repeat it. Go ahead. Yeah. Get, talk, talk again. Talk. Yeah. Again. I mean, they they have not done it. Correct. They have not, you know, whether it was a play call or it was a personnel change or some sort of adjustment, they get that they've got to do better as a staff because it starts with what you're asking the player to do. Mm. That's where it starts. So it's like, oh, I used to hard on the coach. Well, coaching comes first. <laughs> um, that's literally what comes first. Why you always talk about quarterback? Well, the throw comes first. <laughs> You know, um, I think a lot of people like to go straight to the end Mm -hmm. and then blame that person and then skip all the things that happened in between and at the beginning. Um, So he's talking about the things that happened at the beginning and the things that happened in between. And once you fix that, I think it's easier to know what your players can and can't do. So once you feel confident, you know, as as you know, you and I have both been managers of many people in our previous professional lives. Right. Whenever I had an employee that didn't do something that they were supposed to do, the first question I always ask myself is, did they know what they were supposed to do? Mm -hmm. The next question is, did I give them the tools to do what they were supposed to do? If the answer to any of those questions is no, I have an adjustment to make as a leader first. And then, uh, uh, you know, correct the employee second. And that's all he's talking about here. We've got to do a better job from a management standpoint of setting up a scenario where these guys can be successful first, and then we can critique play after. But um, they haven't been super confident, I think, in the job that they've done offensively. They've created opportunities. And but you mentioned this on the last show, we did. Just because something sort of worked doesn't mean it was the best thing to do or the most optimal play to call. And I think they're trying to get to a point where they're calling the most optimal thing more often because that is a much easier scenario to assess what went wrong and what didn't 
uh, go right, <laughs> right? Um, I said, said the same thing there, but what went wrong, <laughs> what went right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, again, how the application of that in real time actually helps, you know, Auburn football win football games because that's what it all comes down to. All these fancy words, we get it. You know, show us on the field and, you know, and put some W's on the board. Yeah. Last thing I want to uh, play here was him talking about them really – it comes down to a few plays in every game. And, and we've talked about that a little bit, but he was just saying that because it comes down to so few plays, they don't have the option to miss on their opportunities. So let's hear him talk about that. So if you go to the Georgia game, we really hadn't talked since after the Georgia game, I guess, but if you go to the Georgia game, there literally are 10 plays that made a difference in that game, or we easily could have found ourselves on the, um, on the other side of that outcome. And in those 10 plays, um, I think six of them are on us coaches. And um, four of them, the, the, our kids should have, should have. obviously there's more than 10 that didn't go exactly right. But you can take 10 plays in critical situations where if we don't get a protection set right, that that is our fault. And... Um, that's not easy for me to say, nor to take, nor to live with, but we've got to get that fixed. And, um, but then there's, there's, there's things that our kids could have done differently too. Now forget, you know, we could, we had two balls in our hands inside the five yard line on, on two passes. You know, if we can just make one of those plays, you know, and, uh, so I'm not counting those as the 10, I'm talking about 10 fundamental things that we could have done differently offensively or defensively in a critical situation. And if we execute that properly, they make a direct impact on that game because they were all in the critical downs and critical moments. And um, that's encouraging that we played a team of that caliber close and we want to build upon the good things because there were a lot of good things, but um, the margin of error for us winning and losing right now is so small against teams that probably have a, a better roster in some spots um, that we can't afford those. And we have to look at everybody, coaches, players. Why are we not getting that executed? And if we can't do it personnel-wise, then get it out of the plan. If we can do it but we're not doing it right, then we got to coach it better. And so that's what the whole week was about is, is how do we not, how do I not go to bed after a, a game feeling that way? So what I liked about this was the accountability that he's taking with himself and the coaching staff first. And again, this is something we just talked about this, that we've harped on for a while. We're mm -hmm. going to put more of the onus on the guys that get paid millions of dollars to coach the young men than the young men that are going out there because they have to set them up properly. Um, but he's, he's talking about, listen, man, we don't have a ton of, it's going to come down to just a few plays in most games, especially when you're playing teams that are equal to or more talented than you. You've got to take advantage of the small opportunities, the small windows you have to go out there and execute those game plans. Uh, yeah. So the six out of 10 comment, right? Six out of the 10 plays. Um, they felt like it was something, it was a coaching thing. Mm -hmm. This is some, this is why, when we talk about that 
that uh, video of the wide receivers and everyone's like, oh, you know, it it hit them in the hands. So, you know, obviously you have to catch literally everything that hits you in the hands, no matter how, you know, messed up all the other circumstances are. This is kind of what he's talking about. Some of those are plays you just have to make and others, right, they needed to set it up better. (laughs) Flat out. Yeah, and and that's literally the only point I've been making about some of the miscues in the passing game. Now, obviously, he's not just talking about the passing game here, but um, the part where he says these are things, you know, some of the plays, some of the plays they just need to make. That's where your talent gap comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where when you have better players, um, the luxury every coach is looking for from a good recruiting class is to be able to not be perfect in a call and still have guys go out and just make plays. Right. That's not where you're at right now. The elite teams, the truly great teams, I have both. You have elite, an elite system matched with elite players. Right. Some of the better offenses that we've seen, like that 2019 LSU offense, that was elite coaching, Right. You know, Joe Brady and Ensminger and elite players. Right. As evidenced by the fact that, you know, that passing, that whole passing game went on to the NFL. Joe Burrow made a Super Bowl in year two. Uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are probably, they might be like one and two in terms of best receivers in the league. Certainly both are top five. But if you can pair both, it gives you some leeway on one end or the other when you're great at one. Uh, You know, what we harp on is the guys getting paid. Well, now that some of these players are getting paid millions of dollars. I don't know at Auburn, but I I don't know if any Auburn players are, but there are some out there. Yeah, Yeah. right. Um, But the guys who essentially get to walk away with a big check if it doesn't work out for them. Have to do their job better. And I think he understands that. So the, I love, I'm with you. I love the accountability. Right. I love the accountability of saying we got to coach it better, you know, and in a bye week, it's easier to, I think you have more time to kind of see that, you know, once you're in, man, once the season starts, it, it's hard to make big adjustments. I, it, it just is because you've got, you know, you're, these coaches are working overtime. They're losing sleep, staying up, trying to, you know, see the things they need to see and then immediately go into game plan for the next team mode. Right. It's tough. It's a truncated timetable in week four week. So the bye week, I think, really helped them what he's talking about here and looking at what they're doing and trying to figure out how they coach it better. So um, I loved it. I loved everything about this comment. Um, How do I go to sleep at night, man? Not feeling like. We we it was it was on us like there was something and you know I'm telling you some of those things he's probably that's keeping him up at night are you know hell why did I switch quarterbacks on third and one there right why did we do that right did that make sense um, you know why did we call this play in that situation yeah I, I just I think those are the things that he's probably looking back on because they are super within your control and saying hey if we're gonna run the ball twice there. You know, maybe uh, we could have called something different. Yeah. Um, so I asked him about that. A lot of people were mad about my question. I just, I just like, I'm sorry. You know, I think most reasonable people want to know what the thinking was there. You know, and there are certain things that if you do, you <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to this. Right. 
uh, you was it the 2015 Super Bowl that was Seahawks versus Patriots? I don't remember what year, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. The, okay, so mm, I saw Marshawn Lynch do an interview about that play where Russ threw the interception, and everybody's like, "Listen, man, if you can't, Marshawn's been chopping it all game. If you run the ball, you don't get it there. Nobody's talking. Nobody blames you. Right, right. But the throw." And that situation was inexplicable. There are things you don't expect coaches to do at that level, right? We talked about Miami and just not kneeling it out. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Take a knee and the game's over. Right. So Just make better decisions in certain scenarios and live with the decision that you make. If, that you- if you run the ball in a, an obvious run scenario with a guy who is dominant in short yardage and you don't make it, nobody's looking at you like, yeah, well, that's yeah. a decision. Yeah, we're not sitting here asking what the hell, right? Right. Um, and you say, okay, well, we just need to man up there because you need to be able to man up and win a yard. Right. That's it. Again, that's where the talent gap comes in. That's the recruiting that he's talking about. But we don't know whether they would have won that or not because you didn't call it. Right. Right. We'll never know if Marshawn Lynch would have gotten those last two yards or whatever to win a literal Super Bowl. It is it is stuff you don't expect coaches at a certain level to get wrong. You don't. That's why you pay somebody six plus a year. So once they start getting that stuff right, you know, nine and a half times out of 10, Auburn is a dangerous team. And I think a lot of these players that people think aren't so great will start to look a lot better. If you can put, put you know, in talk, the right scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Optimal play calls and coaching around them. It, it takes some time, man. It's not going to be perfect. A lot of really good coaches went six and six or six and seven or seven and six in year one. Um, but it's just tough when you make a good call and you it's clear that you just don't have the guys. Okay. Right. And there's a much different feeling around this. But when you don't make the right call and then everybody starts blaming the kids, that's what I have a problem with. I have a huge problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, uh, one of those scenarios where it's not necessarily about blame. It's about accountability. And I love that Coach Hugh Freeze is saying yeah. accountability. And what you said is if they can figure out how to get this right, it'll definitely be a scary situation for the rest of the opponents yeah. on Auburn's schedule with the way this defense is playing. If the offense gets it figured out, very tough team to get a win against. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from the War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. Drop! Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now here's the rest of your morning drop. Drop! We are going to get over into some sweet comments from you all in the comment section we appreciate you all dropping in with us we will get the conversation in this section started off with chris s who says two of those plays coach Hugh Freeze called out for poor execution were for avery jones and those high snaps this has been a problem man um we've got to get better play from our offensive line in a couple of different ways whether it is better snaps from the center 
whether it is some of this protection stuff that Coach Freeze is talking about, the offensive line is a, is accountable for that stuff as well. And then when you just talk about procedural penalties and things that kill drives as far as false starts or holdings in critical situations, the offensive line needs to step up and and limit the number. I, we've talked about the one eleven. Limit the number of mistakes that are on you. If you're getting whooped, like you just said, it's different if you're just getting whooped up front and manhandled. But if you're just you're you're blocking the wrong guy or you're going, you know, we're going to be in Death Valley, man. You ask him the question about the noise. We can't afford to be in the hole, mm. you know, 10 yards, five yards on possessions just because we're not remembering what the snap count is supposed to be. Yeah. Um though the high snaps were very frustrating yeah um it throws off everything it throws off the whole rhythm of the play and shout out to Peyton thorn um for catching a lot of those high snaps for sure for yeah sure. man dude like those could have been whole disasters i i was very impressed with his ability to be able to corral those things but i think expecting him to make a play in those scenarios is unrealistic um right. because you know, it, it's simple. The snaps, snap, the snap is every play. <laughs> if you're not going to get the snap right, you're going to mess up a lot of things offensively. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was poor execution, and they've just got to get better. We'll see how they focus on that moving forward. I, I think these guys can do it. You know, um, whether it was just maybe a lack of concentration, or you have to go in and just work on technique. I, I, I can't say why those snaps were high, right. um, but uh, certainly that's not a thing that you want to be dealing with on game day. Right. Yeah. Of all the things you want to deal with on game day, snap execution is probably very low on the mm-hmm. list. Very low on the list. Uh, James McAlpine jumps in and says, I personally love his honesty and his message. Speaking of Coach Hugh Freeze, he calls it Truth Monday or something like that. So he talks about Coach Hugh Freeze has talked about the truth meetings that he has with players and coaches about, hey, let's just get in here and tell the truth. He actually mentioned this in his press conference. He says, sometimes, you know, I need you guys to hear. I need the, the young men to hear what I'm saying, maybe not how I'm saying it and just extract the truth from that and understand that I'm I'm trying to, you know, get you in the right position, the right place to make plays. And sometimes it may come off a little abrasive, but it's always going to be from a truthful place. Yeah. I mean, there's work to be done on both sides here. I think, I think that you need to be able and life people always need to be able to take critical feedback. Um, but you also have a responsibility as the messenger to send the message in a way that it will actually be received. Again, referring, you and I have managed different people. There's no one size fits all in management, right. right? You have employees, you manage them differently based on their personality and how they, you know, uh, receive things. If you don't want to do that, you got to go out and hire a bunch of people who fit a certain personality profile that can take your one size fits all management style. Correct. Right. Um, that's difficult to do. Uh, so, you know, I would just like that. My, I, I love it too. I like the truth. Right. But I think that you can say things in a way that damage your message. Right. Well, this is one of the things, though, that's hard about a transitioning coach. Right. All these guys aren't guys that you brought in, that you had an opportunity to vet the way that they might handle a certain approach. And so Mm -hmm. you do have to figure out, okay, this is my way. But how do I be effective in this group of people at this time and not damage myself in the process of getting to where I want to be with my guys? 
Yeah, I, I, I would the thing I would say to that, Ike, is is that you know once you start to recruit at a high level, you're always going to get a super talented kid who, for whatever reason, just doesn't get it. Um, but can you and can you reach that kid, or do you say he's not getting it and just throw him away? Now we know coaches tend to have more patience with players who are dynamic talents and are dudes, yeah. right? Um, we've seen that. Like your leash is a lot longer for mistakes when you are super talented. However, um, I, I do want to know that he can reach that kid here because the game is, I mean, it's, kids have changed, you know, and I would, I would argue to say, you know, when he was last in the SEC, this is a different world, right? right? I mean, that was eight years ago. So, you know, now there are different challenges and people who continue to learn and grow with the changing tides. I I asked Saban this at a media days about how do you you've been doing this for so long. If you won so many championships, how do you continue to stay ahead of the coaching curve with, you know, all these dynamic young minds coming into the game? And like, you know, it is the ultimate fight to not stay complacent, I think. And think, oh, I've done this. This works, and 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 get kids to continue to produce in the evolving environment that is just growing up a young man in this world. Yeah. So, so you know, can he can he send that message? Can he reach those guys? I I think, man, that would be so awesome, not only for him but for the kid. You you could really change a kid's life when you can get through to him. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, and hopefully this week they've had an opportunity to get some some come to uh, come to Jesus meetings happening and and fig- figure this stuff out. Uh, Miller House jumps in and says, Coach Hugh Freeze might be the best interviewing head coach we've had. He keeps it 100. Um, I, I Listen, I am a fan of Coach Hugh Freeze in these press conferences, uh, but I will say this again. I don't want to keep winning press conferences year after year. Press conferences are cool to win. They really are. We got to figure out how to translate that stuff over to games. But what I do love about this coach in his press conference demeanor is how accepting he is of things that he feels like he and his staff can do better, as we've said already. That is a, I think, a big difference rather than kind of what I feel sometimes is a dismissive, oh, we'll figure it out. Or it's like, no, we got to get this right, man. This isn't good. And this keeps Mm -hmm. me up at night. Like I'm as bothered by this as anybody in this building. And I'm trying to figure out ways that we can get better at these things. I love to hear that from the coach. And hey, I'm going to hold the players accountable for the things that they need to do better as well. Yeah, let's just see it. At some point, to your point, we just need to see it. So, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Haley says, I pray we get it together. We have got to scheme around our strengths. Mm-hmm. You also need to scheme out your weaknesses. Correct. <laughs> right. And that is what I'm still looking for from them. How do you scheme out your weaknesses? Um, I still do not understand. The floor for this passing game is somehow lower than last year through five games. Yeah. I never in a million years thought we'd be sitting here saying that. Because it was low last year and somehow, you know, we found a way to go lower. Uh, So they still have time to turn this around. But, you know, to not have a quarterback eclipse 2000 yards passing in a season is wow, man. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, They've got to scheme that up better, figure out what's not working in the passing game and figure out how to get it going. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Juice Heist jumps in. At the end of the day, the coaches can call the best game plan ever. But if your players aren't able to execute the plan, find someone who can. Yeah, I mean, there's truth to this. But what I would say is, is, is that you've got to remember. It is very unlikely if you're calling the best game plan ever that you're not going to see a certain level of execution. Correct. Right. These guys have been playing football their whole lives. And I, and I know that they but when, when you're calling perfect, if you're calling perfect plays, you're going to get better production than what we're seeing. Right. So while this is a true statement um, that you have to go out and execute, when you talk about the totality of the game, what are the not a play here or play there? I'm talking about what is the consistent result? Mm hmm. If you're recalling the best game plan ever, you would see a more consistent result than than what we're seeing here. So they're not they're not at the best game plan ever. And that again, we talk about what comes first. That comes first, right? And this right? is why he said, "Listen, our margin for error is too slim. Like we can't have we can't as coaches not put them in optimal positions. We don't have the guys that are going to cover up for those mistakes right now, one through eleven on right. our team. So we can't." Uh, same thing I said about when, you know, I made this proclamation to the wide receivers. Hey, man, if it comes, come down with the catch. So you're not a part of the conversation. That's the same message that Coach Hugh Freeze has given to his coaches. I don't want to look at film and say the coaches screwed this up. Let's remove the coaching and the game plan from the conversation so we can get to the brass sacks of now do we have the right guys in the right position to make this stuff? If we're going to screw up the plan then it doesn't matter who we tried out there on the field. Let's get the plan right, and then we can start worrying about whether or not the guys are executing it properly. Yep, yep. Uh, Knox Cleveland says, if Thorne plays bad, though, at LSU, do you think Freeze will make a change, or is he just ride or die for Thorne? I think it depends on what – you know why I think he's been so hesitant? To make this change is because deep down in his heart, he knows they haven't done everything for him right. that they can. Exactly. Right. And so it's hard. It's hard to 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 punish the kid for your mistakes. So they're still trying to figure out. Can we create more opportunities from a coaching standpoint so that you can properly evaluate him? Yeah, I to me, I think there's some things you can evaluate apart from that. But I agree. Uh, yeah. So, but ultimately, you know, what gives you the best chance to win? And I think that that's what what will dictate the change going down the stretch. Um, once it becomes evident that a bowl game is in question, you may see some drastic changes. Right. Because I'll tell you, I, I you know, we, uh, turning in a losing season, I I don't think will be well tolerated, regardless of it, whether it's year one or not. Okay. Five games, five games they won last year, and they were an overtime away from making a bowl game last year. You're telling me you're going to do the same? I, I'm not buying it. And you brought in a ton of guys and like, no, you got to make a bowl game. I think, again, it's going to be tight here down the stretch. I think this team is going to be fighting for a bowl game. Um, I did not think we would be here at the beginning of the season. I thought it would be more clear that they were going to win seven games because yeah. I expected the offense to look better than what it it, it looks. Um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. This is this is going to be 
interesting to see what his tolerance for this is after they get it together. But, you know, we may never get the answer to this question because we don't know. Does it come together this season for this coaching staff? Right. You know, we, we, we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the, the scenario that you're forecasting here, Knox, is one I don't want to have to see. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much more abundantly clear I could make this if Peyton Thorne is going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn University. I want to see Peyton Thorne play well. I don't want to get to a place where we're talking about having to remove the starting quarterback because his play is not up to the level at which it needs to be for us Mm -hmm. to win football games. So I don't want to get to the point where we have to answer this question if he's going to be the starting quarterback. But I don't know, you know, what's going to make him pivot away from Peyton Thorne. But I do um, echo what you just said, Mike. It's going to start with we know we did everything to equip him properly and he didn't go out there and execute it still. That's where it's going to begin. Yeah, it's just very hard, man, when you have so many questions about what you called. All right. Um, And and that is the reprieve that we've consistently given Peyton Thorne. I don't think they put him in the best position. and. He's not that guy, man. Like, I'm not even sure we have that guy on our on our roster right now that can just go out in suboptimal conditions and save. I mean, but listen, those are so few and far between guys that you can put in bad scenarios and they're going to overcome all of that to play well. It's just not that's not those are Heisman caliber quarterbacks. Now, whether or not they win the Heisman is going to be about some of the things that are around. But Heisman caliber quarterbacks are guys where that's why Bryce Young won the Heisman. The rest of those guys were not good around him. That offensive line wasn't good. He made that offense look good. So you've got to. So you're just not going to pick one of those guys off of the shelf. And that's going to happen now. Can we play better at the quarterback position in different situations? If we're going again, I'll say this. If we're going to run the ball the vast majority of the times with the quarterback, do I think that Robbie Ashford should be the guy piloting that ship? Mm -hmm. Absolutely do. I absolutely do. Anybody who says something different than that, you're not actually being fair about your assessment of what makes a football team optimal. It just it doesn't make sense. So I just don't really like the conversation like it's a bad faith conversation to say if we're going to run the quarterback and not throw it more. Robbie Ashford shouldn't be the That's a bad faith argument. I don't care what the defense adjusts to in that scenario. That's a better person to pilot that particular ship. But is Peyton Thorne playing bad enough to bench right now? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Mm -hmm. Uh. Prince uh, Major jumps in. It's disappointing. The defense is playing too good, but have to deal with the offensive struggles. This has been a repeated refrain from Auburn University over the last few years. That's very tiring to hear. It's the song that doesn't end that I really wish would stop. Yeah, I mean, if, if they were scoring 28 points a game, I think this team is potentially undefeated at this point, And this defense is top three in the SEC easily, um, you know, by the metrics. Yeah, I think it's a top three defense in terms of how they're executing, but it's just tough, man. You know, if offensively you're being put in in, in some bad positions and, and it changes, the, there's something it's hard to measure this in statistics, but the momentum of the game, man, is so difficult, right? When you're not scoring points. You know, ultimately, because you've got to score something to win. Nobody right. has ever won a game zero 
with zero points. Correct. <laughs> All right. So you've got you've got to score, man. And, and there's a causality to both. Same yep. same way we, we used to talk about how, you know, some of the downfalls to these hurry up, no huddles is, is that people were scoring so fast or you're going three and out so fast. Your defense is hanging out, hanging out to dry, man. Yeah. One can affect the other, uh, positively or negatively. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting. You give up a bunch of points, and your offense is all is playing from behind. That's hard to stick to the original game plan when you now it's like, well, we wanted to be more balanced. Harson used to talk about this, but we got down and we had to throw. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, one can definitely affect the other. I, yeah, I just. I think you'd you'd see by the numbers they would be one of the best defenses in the country if we could just score. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dina Smith says, "Will Thorne surpass Ashford's passing yards from last year?" He's not on pace to do it right now. Pace to do it right now. Um, For the record, um, Robbie Ashford threw for just over sixteen hundred yards last year, Um, and so that. That, again, I just think that that's kind of a disappointing stat when you look at it. Um, uh, and, and to give you the exact number here, uh, in 2022, Robbie Ashford threw for 1,613 uh, yards. But also, just remember, uh, from a rushing standpoint, um, he rushed for like 840, 844 yeah. yards, I think. No, no, no. That's total. It was 710 yards mm-hmm. he ran for. So, I mean, he put up 2,300 yards of total offense last year. Uh, and to be on pace to throw for less than 1,600 yards, man, like to me, that's that's not your your quarterback. And we know why Robbie threw for 1,600, right? He was hurt. <laughs> and he only started nine games last season. Right. He split. I mean, he split time in the first three games with TJ Finley. So, um, yeah, this 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 yard, you know, through five games, Payton Thorne has like six hundred and forty three yards passing or something like that. Right. So he's not on pace to, to eclipse that number. They've got to find a way to pick it up, man. He was bringing him in was supposed to raise the floor. Ike. It hasn't. It's effectively lower right now. That's 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 on coaches, if you ask yeah. me. Agreed. Agreed. Last one here from Sub Zero Two Five One, who says, "I'm more aggravated at the fact that they don't even try uh, to shut us up. Go out there and throw when it d- don't work. You got tape to prove his point. Why don't you throw? Uh, why don't they throw? In my opinion, so basically saying, hey, if you know Peyton Thorne can go out there and rip it, let him rip it." Throw it and prove to prove. This is what I've been saying for Peyton Thorne to do. Stop saying, you know, stop talking about what the chemistry is with the wide receivers. If the wide receiver is supposed to be there, throw it to that spot and let it be on that receiver that he didn't get there. or He didn't make the catch. But stop holding the football and not letting it rip. PT just needs to go out there and do it, man. Let's just see him. If if he's right most of the time, like people have tried to convince us that it's Peyton Thorne who's right and the wide receivers are wrong. That's great. Throw the football and let me see. Yeah, we don't. It's hard. The the it's hard to judge based on the volume of throws that have been given, right. um, and the situ the scenarios in which they're throwing most of those passes. Go back to Georgia again. Only seven passes thrown in the first half of that game. Right, he had nineteen passes total, and a large majority came in desperation mode on the last two drives. So 
how, like that's the standard by which you're judging receivers, right? Two drives at the end of the game in desperation mode. So try to push the ball up the field, man. And, and you know, again, I would like to see him have a minimum of 25 throws a game more evenly spread out. Personally, um, and then, you know, if your play, your play count should be somewhere in the 60s at min- minimum. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about is like how many plays are plays. We actually getting in games right now? This is, you know, we, we've got to do much, because it's not where I thought we were going to be at a per play uh, plays per game average at this point in the season either. But what maybe we'll dig into that stat a little bit next. month. Yeah, well, you know, just, you know, for for reference, right against Georgia, they had. 63 plays, right? They had 43 rush attempts and 20 pass attempts. That that has to be a little bit more balanced, in my opinion. Twice as many runs as throws says that you don't trust the passing game at all. Right? You're throwing only when you have to. That's what that stat says. Tw- over twice as many, Ike. <laughs> Yikes. You know, and I get it. You do what works. But also the lack of balance always catches up with you at the end of the game when you're playing a good team. You know, uh, uh, for example, like, you know, you're playing a good team and it's tight and you, you haven't run the ball the whole game, but now you need to run it to run the clock out. <laughs> right. You can't get a first down on the ground to protect the ball. You end up doing something that you don't, you shouldn't be doing in that scenario. That's what happens when you lack balance. We can't run. So we're going to throw it here. And then next thing you know, pick. Right? Your deficiencies always catch up with you in against good teams at the end of the game. So they've got to figure out a way to, you know, supplement this deficiency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a great conversation today. We appreciate you guys dropping in with us. We're gonna get out of here. Until the next time, and as always, War Eagle. Drop! Drop!